Welcome back, designer. Today's episode is all about handling client objections. Last week, we discussed how to nail your consultation calls. And in this episode, we will have a follow-up to that. So what do you do when a client says your services are too expensive or they need to ask their partner or the most vague of all, let me think about it. Today, we're sharing the ways you can treat those objections with grace and move your think about it prospect to a sign me up client. Let's dive in. Today's episode is brought to you by Designers Oasis. I wanted to create an online hub for designers to access resources to help you run your business. Designers Oasis is a place to get time-saving and confidence-boosting design resources. Start with a free space planning quick reference guide, a printable to make space planning quick and effortless. You can also access the Canva templates for interior designers. Right now, our podcast listeners can get 10% off any Canva templates for interior designers. Use the code DGCCANVA10 at checkout. That's DGC for Designers Getting Coffee, Canva10 at checkout. Head on over to designersoasis.com. Stop going it alone. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design business and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. And now this is episode 33, three common client objections and how to handle them. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Kate. This is going to be a good episode. I'm super excited because we, in the last episode, we talked about how to handle your initial phone call with a potential new client. And if we had just left it there, we would have been leaving out this big piece of it. And By the time we got, that episode was so packed with such great information. If you haven't heard it, please go back and listen. You don't have to necessarily listen to them in order, but it could be helpful. That's episode 32. But we felt like talking about this was enough to be its own episode. So we switched some topics around to bring you this one today. And yeah, it's super important and I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. And this is something that handling objections I'm just going to say has not come naturally to me or easily. This is definitely a skill I have had to learn. Totally natural. No, liar. Is it natural? No, I said, I mean, I think it's normal if you don't, if for people, if so, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant it was totally natural for you. I'm like, oh, must no. be nice. Oh, God, no. I see what you're I'm saying. I'm glad you got clarification because no, I think it's totally normal for us, you know, when we have objections to be like, cool. Yeah. (laughs) It's all right. All right. Just call me back when you're ready. Yeah. That's exactly the point I wanted to make is that there are often going to be client objections and you need to have a strategy to handle them. You need to have language. You need to understand where they're coming from and how to face them. A no does not mean a no. A no might mean I don't see the value in your services. It might mean I need more clarity on what's going to happen. There's a lot of reasons that someone might not say yes on a consultation call. And you can learn how to handle those to be able to close more sales and book more clients. So if you feel like this is an area where you struggle, I did too. So did Kate. This is totally normal. It's not something we're taught how to how to handle client objections. So we, we're going to talk about three of the big ones that we hear a lot on consultation calls and how how we have handled them and give you some wording to help you maybe write your own little notes or own script so that you can 
also confidently handle objections because they're going to happen. This isn't a rarity. Don't feel bad if someone says no or not yet. It's very normal, very much part of the process. Absolutely. You're going to get a, you're going to get objections. And number one is you can't take it personally. They're not saying to no to you as a human being. <laughs> They're saying it's, it's a couple of other things that could be going on. And we're going to dive into that. But, um, I, I can't remember her name. It was your friend and she's a, she's a media. She's an online marketing professional and she does this really cute impersonation. I, she's just, she's your old client. I'm, sp- uh, with the wallpaper. Nikki. The- Nikki, yeah, she did this really cute impersonation of, oh, you want my thing? Here's my thing. You want, no, no. Okay, okay, bye. That's fine. You don't want my thing? Like, you don't have to bite. It's okay. I didn't, I, you, and it was just adorable the way she was like, hey, here's my here's my thing. You want my thing? No, you don't. Want, oh, okay, okay. You don't have to have it. And I feel like that's what we do as designers. We're just like, here's my thing that I do. No, you don't want it. Okay, fine. Bye. I'm sorry. I wasted your time. Okay, no. Fine, you, number one, need to realize that they're not saying no to you as a person. Um, if they're saying no, you haven't done your job yet and clearly outlying what what are the end results because um, they came to you and they need you and you haven't finished telling that story. So it's not always no. It's sometimes it's not yet. Let's dive in. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about the three most common objections that we have come up against So for context, these objections usually come up at the end of your consultation call. You've listened to the client. I mean, go back. Episode 32 is killer. You've listened to the client. You've mirrored back. You've proposed the most amazing design package to get them the results they want. You have told them how much it costs. And instead of saying, yes, please send me an invoice, they say one of these three things. The first one being, I have to ask my partner, husband, spouse, wife, whatever it might be. But basically what they're telling you is they don't have the authority or they don't feel confident or feel like they are able to say yes without first running it by another decision maker. Have you had this one before, Kate? Absolutely. (laughs) How do you handle it? Because I always feel like, well, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I'd want to ask my husband too, if I was going to make a big purchase. And I hear, you know, some people say it usually points to a bigger issue where they don't see the value. There's some missing information because usually for a, you know, a design consultation, you don't really need approval. But I I have a lot of clients that at the end of a call, they want to run it by a partner before they commit. So how do you deal with this? Because I feel like it's a fair objection. It's not unreasonable. I'm going to temper my feminist side here for a moment and just say, sure, they need to run something by their partner. I, I guess we do too in our family when it comes to big, big expenses. And I can appreciate that. So there are two approaches that I take. One is to first make sure, ask them, make sure I've been very clear on what it is that I think the next step is. If you go back and listen to the last episode, my first step is 99% of the time, a two hour consultation. And so even though we may have talked briefly about full service and what does that start at and what does that look like? That's not what I'm asking them to commit to. I'm only asking them to commit to a to an initial consultation and there's no obligation to work with each other after that. And sometimes that hasn't always been clear. And usually just asking for clarification turns them around and they're like, oh, you know what, let's just do it. <laughs> and so we, f- we find a date and we move on. And that way we can just start slow and build from there. But then the other option is... Absolutely. And I'm also going to send you my follow-up PDF. It's a sales and services guide that outlines all of this. I'm going to send it to you. And I want to know, can I call you? Let's just say we are talking on Wednesday. Can I call you on Friday at at nine o'clock to 
find out how that conversation went, went and see if he or she is available to ask any of their questions and try to get that person on the call. But I'm very specific about, I am going to call you on this date and at this time after you've had a chance to look at this to see where we are. Oh, I like that. Very direct, clear follow-up. If you just leave it in their cord, then you're not going to hear back from them. Preach. Yeah, you're totally right. So a lot of times there's a couple different um, lines I will use depending on what I've kind of picked up from the client. But one of them is just acknowledging their objection. Hey, I can understand running it by your partner. And then sometimes I would ask, let me ask you, do you feel I'm the right person for this project? Because that's a really hard question to ask. But sometimes you just need to know up front if they really do think you're right and what the objection is with asking a partner. And they might say, well, we're not sure. We've interviewed six designers. Or maybe they'll say, yes, I love you. I know. I just need to make sure my husband's on board. So that can be a really good question to help filter responses and figure out your next steps. Or I can understand running it by your partner. Are there any questions you have that I haven't addressed yet? Maybe there's something unanswered that they're feeling unsure about. This is a great opportunity to ask more questions of them to make sure that they do think you're the right person for the job and that you've answered all of their questions. Another angle I take some time is, I'd love to book another call with all three of us so I can answer any questions he or she might have. I do ask clients when they book the initial consultation call to have all decision makers available. They never do, guys. They don't listen. And inevitably, this happens. And so I try to really encourage them. And I will happily do another 20-minute call if I can get partner, husband, wife, whoever else on board. It's it's a bit more time consuming, but I feel like putting that extra effort and really showing them, hey, I care about you and your family and I want us to all have this conversation together, that can sometimes go a long way to build trust and keep things moving. And let me tell you, if they don't think you're the right designer, they're never going to book that next call. And you can kind of weed them out at that point in the conversation. Do you have any other strategies for this one, Kate? No, I think that's it. I think no matter what the objection is, as we talk through these, always number one should be, I understand. I I think just showing that you've heard them or repeating back to them what they've said is going to show empathy and understanding and then ask your questions, your follow-up questions to gain more clarity. So that's great. I want to talk about the next one. (laughs) I'm super excited. Oh, good. So objection number two is some version of I can't afford it or it's too expensive. Go, Kate, tell us about how you handle this one. Because that's it's also legit. People usually don't know how much our services cost and they're not cheap, nor should they be. So how do you deal with that one? Everybody who's listening to this right now, repeat after me. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's never about the money. And this is really truthfully in my heart what I believe to be true. What you're lacking if you've come to this oftentimes is it's either a lack of trust, number one, that you're the right person for the job, or number two, your offering, the, the service that you have suggested isn't the right fit for their actual needs. So for example, if let's say I've proposed full service for someone, we want to start with a two-hour consultation, perhaps I've given them a service that isn't the best fit for their needs, their timeline, their budget. So then I'm going to provide them with e-design or designer for a day. There are options. So taking it away from the money and making it about trust that you're the right person can oftentimes be the tipping point that can move them from no to, well, maybe let's start with the consultation. I love that. Yeah. I think it's easy for clients on the phone to share like big, 
ideas and dreams and visions. And then when you actually tell them a dollar amount, sometimes that can kind of freak them out. So depending on the conversation, one thing I might say is, okay, let me make sure I'm understanding your needs and I've addressed them all because they might have told me their need and their want is for full service, but maybe that's not really what they need. And another approach I can take is just acknowledging that it is an investment. And like you said, Kate, maybe I didn't recommend the package that's the best fit for them. So I might say something like, I understand this is an investment. We're committed to a level of service that will totally knock your socks off. And we're going to see everything through to full completion down to the last frame being hung on the wall. However, we do have other services that might be a better fit. So let me share another option with you. A no or an it's too expensive is an opportunity for a downsell. Maybe you've proposed full service and that's overkill for them. Maybe they are more of an e-design type project. These are ways that you can use their objections to sort of steer the conversation and figure out what might be a better fit. If it is truly about the money, then you probably have another option for them. And this is the time to share that so that they can see, oh, she's really got this figured out. She does understand. Okay. So let's maybe talk about this next option instead. I want to point something out. I think what you just said in that sentence is perfection. If you guys did not hear it, pause it, go back, rewind that and write it down verbatim because it is practically perfect. What you believe about money matters. You don't lose a sale over price. You lose a sale over lack of trust that your product or service can do what it promises or over your opinions or beliefs about money. So what Leslie just said was, it's reinforcing that what she says she's going to do, she's actually going to do it down to that last picture being hung on the wall. One thing I might recommend is just my own opinion. You guys do what you're comfortable with. But that second part, and I'm going to see, I'm looking at your notes here where you say, so your sentence is, I understand it's an investment. We're committed to a level of service that will knock your socks off and see the space through to full completion down to the last frame being hung on the wall. I would actually stop there and hold that next sentence. Don't bring that out just yet. Just say, you know, something to the effect of, you know, re- restating what it is that you can help them achieve and how you're going to help them get there. A lot of times it's just a factor of building some more trust. But if you go on and you realize maybe this really isn't the best fit, then that's when I would move into that next sentence of, of offering the other services. I wouldn't do that too, too soon. I like that. Okay. You've talked a lot in past episodes about this idea of saving clients time, money, and mistakes. And I think this is a really great opportunity to remind people of that before you dive into a downsell. Nice strategy, girl. I like that one. We talk about, uh, my sales coach used to teach us about guardrails and everybody has wider or narrower guardrails in terms of what they're comfortable with and in pushing people. And I think that you can, a narrower guardrail means you are more conservative when it comes to pushing people and a wider guardrail means like you'll push people a, a bit more. Uh, I think either way, as long as it's authentic and it feels right to you and it's done with warmth and with empathy, then you will not come across as being a sleazy salesperson. You're truly just wanting to help this this person achieve their dream space. That is a mega important point that this selling can never be about selling because you need or want income. This really has to be selling something that you truly believe has the value in it and it is the right fit for the client. I have clients that I know full service is the right fit based on everything they've told me and they still don't want to do it. And you can't fight that. It's their money. It's their home. I will push 
for a service that I really truly believe is going to get them where they say they want to be. But it is it is challenging. Like it can feel, I don't know, it can feel salesy. It's this for me, this is still a really difficult thing to have these objections and know how to handle them in a way where I don't feel like I'm trying to manipulate people with my words. But I will say having these little notes, having some sentences ready really helps my confidence on these calls because I've got something prepared to say. I'm not coming out of nowhere or feeling attacked by an objection. I know these happen and trying to make sure you get the right package in front of the person is going to lead to a more confident sale for sure. Sure. And you guys, I think even if it's helpful to have these on like three by six index cards printed out so that it's easy to reference if you need them. So you're not fumbling through a long script of questions that could, when you're just starting out, if this is getting, if this is all new to you and you haven't had these kind of calls before, something like that could be helpful. Eventually, I promise you this will be second nature and you'll have this all committed to memory, but that can be something to help you get started. One more thing, just to make sure you do a gut check about your pricing and your services, you need to be confident in your pricing. If you're not confident in your pricing and that it matches the service and that you can deliver it, then you might want to go back and reconsider what it is that you're offering and either offer more or reduce the price. I I would rather see you offer more. But if you do a gut check and you don't feel 110% confident about your pricing, then you might want to just reevaluate it. There's another argument that some where I could come and say, you should always feel just slightly uncomfortable. You need to have your, (laughs) your rate should be slightly outside of your comfort zone. And I and I would say that that's a f- reasonable argument, but if they're way outside your comfort zone, then you're never going to be able to sell it. <laughs> I fully believe that. Yeah. You're, that's a really great way of putting it where you need to be able to stand behind your prices and know that you deliver the value. At the same time, they have to be just slightly high enough that you're like, okay, I got to bring it because I'm charging really well for this. I have to make sure I am absolutely crushing it right now. Yeah. And like you said earlier on, Kate, it's never about the money. So yeah, once you get through that, if you do decide maybe there's a different service that would be a better fit, I think that's a great time to go ahead and and talk to them about those options. Have you tried that successfully before? A quote downsell of, has it worked? Because I want to mention something interesting. Was this episode or the last one I was talking about the the pool lady who... (laughs) It's just what she, she wants. She was a full service client. She needed full service, but she wasn't willing to, she was having objections with that. So I said, you know what, let's, let's do designer for a day. Then she was trying to do a lot to her house at once, including adding a pool. And that, that is what it is. That's, those were their priorities. And we got in to do the designer for a day thing. And she was like, I I know, I know I should just, I should have just done full service. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) And so I, he went back and gave her a proposal and we went on our way. So um, yeah, I've done it and it works. And interesting though, that she ended up going back to the original, which was the best recommendation for her. Well, the reason I asked is because I had a recent experience where I did a jumpstart, a two hour consultation with a client about a kitchen remodel, reface kind of thing. And I gave them the design proposal for full service and they just came back saying that was, you know, more than they were prepared to spend. I was like, cool. In my mind, I'm like, this is an opportunity. I'm going to be like, hey, I get that. It's not, this is not what you're looking for. Let me tell you this other option I think might be a better fit. And basically 
I want to say the package was, uh, the design proposal was in the $7,000 range. And the other option I could do, which was kind of like an e-design design only was about 2,500. So a big jump, a big price savings. And oh, interestingly enough, somehow that still was quote, too expensive. So guys, it was not about the money. It never was. I haven't quite figured out what happened. I think it was between the couple and she wanted to do this work and invest in it and he didn't. So ultimately, if someone says they can't afford it or it's too expensive, it doesn't mean they can't afford it or it's too expensive. It means it's for whatever reason, it is not right for them right now. A downsell sometimes works, if the real true issue is budget, but I'm telling you a lot of times it's not, and there's always something else going on. So don't, don't get down. If you hear that from clients. Yeah. There's a lot of DIYers out there too, that they just, they literally actually just want to do it themselves. We met with a couple last summer and turns out two other designer friends in town. She had also, they had also booked with them a consultation. So she did consultations with three designers in town, ended up not hiring any of them, but took a mix of all of their ideas so that they could do it themselves. And so in that case, it wasn't about money. They actually wanted to do it themselves, but they wanted to collate all of these ideas. And so that's fine. Just real. I just came to the realization it's like they never really intended to hire anybody in the first place. So it would have been nice to know because I probably wouldn't have spent the hour, hour and a half long it took me to put together a proposal, but what, you know, whatever. So you can't afford it. Uh, show empathy, understanding, and you really want to just make sure that they understand what's included, build their trust. If all else fails, find another option. And I've done exactly what you did too, Leslie, is instead of full service, where we're doing all of the project management. We're saying, hey, we're going to do the design for you. We're going to pass off a complete package for you. We can remain on call for you after that to help while you project manage it yourself and do all of the purchasing. And here's what that would look like. I think that's a great way to do it. One thing I do try to encourage people when I know that full service is going to be the better fit. And so you don't have something happen where they book something else. They're like, ah, darn it. I should have just done that. I just remind them that DIY almost never gets done and you lose momentum while you're doing it. You're going to spend so much time and money and it's very unlikely that it will get seen through to completion. You might've saved a little bit of money, but you're not going to get the results. You're not going to get the X, Y, or Z that you really want. So again, for the right client, the right context, I think you can just remind them of that because some clients are great at DIY and they just want your ideas and they're good. But you know, when there's those clients, like you're just trying to save a buck and you're really not going to do this. And you're going to be really disappointed that you didn't just commit and invest and help us, let us help you get to where you wanted to be. But that that's a trickier, that's a trickier thing to say to people. That's pretty bold. All right. Number three, are we ready for it? We're, we're ready for it. The most vague and I would argue challenging objection. I got to think about it. What does that even mean? <laughs> do you, is it, do you not like it? Is it too expensive? Are you interviewing other designers? Do you think your partner's not? I don't even know. This is a tricky one because it just means something is off, whether it's the value or the something. How have you had this before or have people used similar wording or different wording? Yeah, absolutely. How do you do? How? How? This is one I still struggle with, even with my little script here. No, this is, again, going back, making sure that you, it's very similar response, I think, to the to the not being able to afford it. It's There's a trust building factor that hasn't been, you haven't closed that loop there. And so I would just approach, approach it with curiosity. Again, empathy. I understand this is an investment. Can you help me understand a bit about what it is that you're 
still having hesitations about. That's good. I'm going to have you do my sales calls now. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> that, I'll quote that and send that to my, my old sales coach and be like, I've made progress. It only <laughs> took me seven years. Like, look, I'm, I'm improving. I've made I it. promise you guys, it will not take seven years. <laughs> if you do these things, it will not take you seven years yeah, to get I feel- to this, to this level of confidence. I think what's really important with the gotta think about it feedback is a follow-up, a clear plan follow-up with this client because they're going to think about it forever and they're going to think to never call you back. So I make sure if that's how a call ends, that a client knows when they can expect to hear from me with follow-up. And I also have in Asana, I have a task already set up because I'm a nerd. I've got a template for like a three-week follow-up series. So I just assign the dates and then it pops up in my task list. And I know, hey, today I need to give them an email and say this. Today, I'm going to give them a quick Could call. you be my follow-up manager? Yes, <laughs> I can be your follow-up manager. Because that I'm getting better at. I feel I pre- feel pretty confident. I have a follow-up strategy too, but that's not as... Yours is very like... It's very Leslie. Well, I think an important thing with follow-up is don't count on your brain to remember to do these things, guys. You have a lot going on. Just put the dumb tasks in a task manager in your calendar, whatever it looks like for you. Have it pop up sticky days. Yeah, or sticky notes. Have it somewhere where on the day you need it, the info is there and you look like a bad A boss who is organized and stays true to your word. And if you say, I'm going to follow up with you on Friday you better follow up with that person on Friday. You might not think it's important, but if they remember that and they don't hear from you, it's only going to erode the trust you have built. And it's certainly not going to help you close the sale if they don't think that you are as good as your word. Do you follow up with email or phone call or mix? I'm a big fat wimp and mostly email. I do have, I want to say like, it's my third follow-up. I will pick up the phone. The first follow-up, it's just like, hey, wanted to make sure you got the proposal, got the whatever. Do you have any questions for me? Just kind of opening up the dialogue, seeing the conversation. And I can't remember what the next one is, but then- I don't, First of all, I don't think that's a wimp. I think really? if that's your guard, that's how I do it. If that's your guardrail. It's my guardrail. Um, I don't want to talk. <laughs> I, you know, and I think it's perfectly fine. I don't think that's being a wimp. A well-crafted follow-up message. You guys operate from a place of- just giving people the benefit of the doubt. People are busy. They appreciate the follow-up. I know that I am when somebody follows up with me most of the time. I'm also not afraid to tell somebody like, no, not right now. Thank you for your time. We've decided to go another direction or whatever. A good rock solid follow-up email is perfectly fine. It can be pre-written. I actually use Boomerang in Gmail. And so I can, you can set it so that if you haven't heard from them, it will fire off that email on a certain date and time. Email is fine, I think. If, if a phone call feels better, then do that. <laughs> we talked a while ago, Kate, about you implementing Dubsado. Is that something that you could use for this or you will use for this? Yes. And actually that is implemented. If we have, if, if I've gotten off the phone with them and they have not decided to do a consultation, then that is more of an email situation. Although come to think of it, I could do that in Dubsado very easily, just like a path number two. But if they have decided to do a consultation and I or verbally agreed to that. And then I send them that email. If I haven't heard back from them on that and they haven't booked it and paid, then there's an automatic series of follow-ups. But actually come to think of it, I should just set that up because it's very doable. You sure should. That's awesome. Yeah. If you guys have an automated system, following up is a great thing to automate or potentially have an assistant help with because you do not want those to fall through the cracks. It is very unlikely 
I'm not saying impossible, but if a client has an objection, it is very unlikely that in a day or two, they're going to pick up the phone and be like, I'm ready. Take my money. Let's do this. You are going to have to follow up with them. Or they might, but it's going to be in six weeks when you're in over your eyeballs with projects and you can't take them anymore. So yeah, I mean, there's another scenario that has been taught to me and I don't do this with as much confidence, but I know people that can and do, and that's to call their bluff. And so let's just say you, they say they got to think about it. Maybe then money comes up or timing or whatever, Uh, but money's the most, most common one. Um, You can ask if money were no option, would this be an investment you would be comfortable making? Oh, that's a great way of putting it. That's basically asking, do you feel I'm the right person for this project without asking those exact words? Or what would you like to see included that's not, or something else for them to consider? Maybe, maybe you're missing that little thing that they were really hoping to get and and they just didn't know how to say that to you. So that's inviting that conversation to have. So calling their bluff can be another really good approach. You can always let them off the hook. This is so juicy today. This is such difficult stuff and it is an essential part of being a business owner and running your business is learning how to do this. To be clear, my coach, and I'm talking, uh, her name's Kendrick Shope. If I don't know if she does one-on-one anymore, but she does have a website. But I remember her introducing me to the idea of letting them off the hook. And at first I was like, what? That's not the Kendrick I know. I would never let somebody off the hook. <laughs> and then, she, well, and she elaborates a bit. It's kind of subversive. It's not in the like, okay, never mind, bye situation. It's more like, yeah, tell me more about what that is and what that It's more like. like, by the time you finish your sentence, they're going to want it so bad. They're going to be like, but wait, you don't want my thing. Okay. I, I'll, I'll go with my thing. Bye. Well, so Again, always start with finances. Um, I think the words were something along the lines of, you know, I respect uh, you have a grasp of your finances or time better than anyone. Uh, I'm not about a high pressure sale here. Um, I've been doing this long enough to know. So you add your authority. That is a big, I don't care if you've been doing it a week. If you've been doing it a week, you've been doing it long enough to know that experience has shown me that and then maybe use that DIY example that clients who try to do this on their own always fizzle out. You get overwhelmed, frustrated, and you never get the big, beautiful finished results that you want. I also know that one of the fastest ways to not gain your trust is to try to push myself on you, no matter how amazing on you. So thank you for, thank you for our time. So, I mean, and add in some words that, you know, it's, you don't want to come across as being some arrogant asshole, but just saying like, I understand that you, know better your resources. I've been doing it long enough to know that you're not going to get the results that you want if you do it on your own. Um, But I'm also not going to gain your trust by pushing myself on you. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you for our time. I'll I'll be here if you know, I wouldn't even say I'll be here because I might not be. Oh my gosh. I like that. There is something to be said about kind of an exclusivity or a demand as an interesting sales tactic, but it has to be authentic. Yes. Yeah. Don't make up some crap about how you're so swamped and blah, blah, blah. Like if that's not true, because people see through that. Yeah. It comes across as a salesy tactic, but I love how you handle that, Kate. That is sexy. That is confident. (laughs) You're just like, I'm great. My work is great. If it's not the right fit, I'm not going to chase you down and try to sell to you. Thanks so much for thinking of me. Bye. Again, I I don't want to come across as being arrogant. I do want to come across as the truth is I want to work with people who are excited to work with me. I want somebody who's like, yes, you're expensive. I don't, I'm going to find a way to pay for it. 
I want the results and those, I need to elicit that kind of reaction from them in my sales call. And so if I've done all of that work and they're still not just kind of mediocre at this stage in my career, I'm kind of like, great. It, you know, have a great life. I'm sorry. I'm just like, you know, then they might not be a great fit and it's fine too. I want to make sure that I am a good fit with the person that I'm, I'm working with, but I think there's a lot of potentially great customers and clients that we could let go if we simply just let it go at that first beat. So yeah, it's true. I want to work with people who are really excited to work with me. Yep. I think that's a really good point is that there's a certain amount of, I don't want to say coercion, that sounds negative, but there's a certain amount of convincing or you know strategies here to handle client objections. But there is a point where it becomes, they're just not the right client for you and that's okay. And you can try to convince them, but you're right, Kate, if you get a client that signs on that isn't fully gung-ho, super excited to work with you, I have found those projects are never fun and the end results are never amazing. And a lot of times you guys will come into a situation where you've got a couple and one partner is over the top, excited and committed and knows you're the right fit and knows that you can give you the results that you want. But there's a second person, a decision maker in the family, understandably, who has their own objections. And so you need to find a way to address those directly as well. Um, Common ones are, you know, this person's going to blow our budget on these things. They're going to make our house super stuffy and designery and over-designed and it's it's going to be them not me you know their look their style and not necessarily what I want and so that can be an issue too that they just feel like they're not going to have their own be able to impart their own design ideas and feel like it's going to be the Kate show or the Leslie show and I try to tell my clients all the time this is not the Kate show I am here to translate your dreams into reality and this is how we do it this is how we do it there has been you guys when we have not been recording there's been a lot of singing happening this morning between the it's true it's been a good day I think we're being a, it's a little punchy it's getting late in the day probably getting a little hangry but it's been fun. And I just, I don't know, Leslie, I think that these are good conversations to have. I'd love to hear from you guys. Did we, first of all, are we wrapping up here? Did we, did we answer all that? Did we get through everything? <laughs> Am I jumping the gun here? I think we have gotten through our three and it's time to go eat a sandwich is what's happening right now. I'm objecting to dragging out this podcast anymore. We're done. Okay. That's cool. We all, we all have somewhere to be. Listen, guys, I want to know, especially on this topic, what resonated with you? Were there things that we said that were real exciting for you? I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that out. Were there things that we said that you're just like, I would never let those words come out of my mouth. And that's, and that's fine too. Um, send us an email. Hello, designersgettingcoffee.com. I'm, I really want to hear what resonated for you guys or on it. You can message us on Instagram at Designers Getting Coffee. We love talking with you. We love having coffee with each other. And the whole point is that we are all designers getting coffee together. So yeah, please join the conversation. Please let us know what you think. Oh, come on. I was going to... I it's thought, time for lunch. Conversation no, over. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Amy's calling me out of my crap today. We want to talk to you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. If you haven't yet left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a whole lot to us because we have had people come here that are like, we didn't know you existed and this podcast is the best. And we are so grateful for that. And that's what we need your help with, guys. So thanks in advance for reviewing, for rating us, for screenshotting when you're listening and tagging us and just kind of spreading the word about designers and coffee and 
all the awesome conversations we're having. I said it right that time. So you can stop making fun. (laughs) I love you, girl. All right. And we love you, good listeners. Appreciate all the reviews. And let's go enjoy our weekend. Happy Friday, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, designer. Thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We love to hear your feedback. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.